Song for the Deaf. Once again, to the Vinyl Crusade with your host, Mike Puskas. It's um, one of those weeks where all manner of possibility and probability is presenting itself. And that's leading a lot of us, you know, particularly our higher illuminated conscious selves into a more liberated sense of who we really are. And... 
you can't get a more liberated look at a quintessential rock and roll album that defined a generation than The Who's Tommy, the double album soundtrack to the movie produced by none other than Robert Stigwood, who was hot on the heels of his success with popularising Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band with none other than the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton in the lead. Where do you start when you talk about an album like Tommy? This is a spiritual story. This is a deep and, I suppose, a more empowered and or enlightened journey into the never-never. And I think the best way to start is to kind of even just looking at the, the track list because the track list itself for the album is none other than absolutely spectacular. Pete Townsend was in what I would consider to be, even though I was very young at the time when Tommy first came out, he was in a, a rather sort of a push-me-a-pull-you part of his growth as the main singer-songwriter in The Who. And Tommy came out of many, many different incarnations where he really wanted to explore, if you like, the darker realms of spiritual enlightenment and empowerment. And if we look at the actual track list itself, CD1 begins with the overture, which you've just got a snippet of, then we have Prologue of 1945 when the father of, of, of the boy represented as Tommy went off to war in the Second World War to fight the Germans, Captain Walker. And during that time, he consummated with his wife and she became pregnant with Tommy and there is a particular track dedicated to that called Captain Walker, It's a Boy. From there we go to Bernie's Holiday Camp, which is filled with pomp and ceremony and sexual innuendo. Then in 1951, we have the father returning from the war and discovering his wife having a, a sexual affair and a long-term love affair with the head, if you like, I suppose, the, the head runner of the holiday camp that Tommy and many children went to over the summer, um, being caught by the father returning from war in a song called What About the Boy. From there we go into The Amazing Journey, which I'll go into great detail about. Uh, then we have the rather comedic relief, if you like, a comic relief called Christmas and the fact that, you know, Tommy is now scarred for life after witnessing the discovery of the affair and the subsequent murder of his father by the holiday camp owner. From there we move to his mother's attempt in, in an effort to try different healing modalities 
and the track Eyesight to the Blind, which features both The Who and Eric Clapton in the movie as moonies, if you like, as devotees of the guru, which in this case is epitomised in none other than a huge porcelain bustier or statue of Marilyn Monroe where the the wannabe um, people wanting to be healed ultimately are drawn to kissing the feet of the statue and then being blessed by the holy water. From there we move to Eyesight to the Blind, which is uh, another one very much featuring the talents of Eric Clapton and his role as a healer. And from there we move to the incredibly energetic role of Tina Turner as the Acid Queen, where the now surrogate father of Tommy is going to use all form of psychedelics and psychotropics, LSD, lysergic acid, in an effort to try to trigger some sort of return to normalcy because his boy is now deaf, dumb and blind. And that is what humanity was predominantly being reflected as back then in 1969. From there we move to Do You Think It's Alright? Which is a kind of a, well, life goes on, the boy is deaf, dumb and blind, if we kind of give him the best quality of life we can, then perhaps it'll be enough. From then we have The Babysitter, the rather torturous and debauched cousin Kevin, which does everything to humiliate the boy and to um, further expand his traumatic experience of life. And then we have a reprise of Do You Think It's Alright by leaving our boy with cousin Kevin or do you think we should get someone else in in the family that can do a job? And we have the rather debaucherous and somewhat macabre role of Keith Moon as a local priest that is playing the pedophilia game in a track called Fiddle About. A third reprise of Do You Think It's Alright? We've left him with Cousin Kevin and he's been further scarred. We've left him with uh, our deranged local priest and he's been further traumatised and now, you know, we're wondering what's next. We then have what is called a track called Sparks. And I'm going to stop there for a moment because Sparks is the featured track that pretty much opens up the amazing journey presented in Cameron Crowe's biopic, almost famous, featuring um, Goldie Horn's daughter, I can't remember her name just offhand, Kate Hudson in the lead. And one of the most memorable quotes from that film, stated by none other than one of my favourite actresses, Zoe Deschanel, love Zoe, um, she plays the role of the older sister, and she leaves all of her records while she goes off to explore America um, with her then hippie boyfriend, kind of turning her back on her Christian and good girl next door type upbringing and says to little Patrick Fugit in the role of 
Now, what is his role again? Um, it's coming to me. Opie. Pareza Book refers to him as Opie. And, of course, it's none other than... Yeah, it'll come. But anyway, says to his, she says to his, to her old uh, younger brother, um, "Listen to Tommy with a candle burning, and it will take you on an amazing journey and change your life forever." And Sparks has always been a great reflector of that for me. From there, we move to the rather kind of out of place sort of, you know, here's a moment of pause to freak you out even further and the track extra, 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 read all about it. This is already heralding the older teenage Tommy as he starts to come into his own as a healer in his own right because he becomes ultimately the pinball wizard and this definitely heralds the arrival of Elton John in probably one of his most acclaimed roles as the pinball wizard, a huge statuesque nine foot kind of uh, carnival circus ringmaster type thing with huge shoes. And this closes out pretty much side one of Tommy, the Who's epic journey into the subconscious, the spirituality of humanity at the time. And we're going to stop there now and feature a track from the album. This is the imitable Tina Turner after she'd finished up with Ike and the Tina Turner Review. She was out on her own as a solo artist now and she was being pretty much approached from all angles, including one of her greatest fans being Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey from The Who, and they asked her to basically, can you be the definitive, divine, perverted and somewhat depraved feminine aspect of spiritual growth and take on the role of the Acid Queen? You're on Magazine Radio, The Vinyl Crusade, and this is The Acid Queen. Young, but not a child. Ah! 
Should be now. This girl will put him right. I'll show him what he could be now. Just give me one more. Yes, indeed. Tina Turner and the Acid Queen. You're on Magazine Radio with Mike Puskas and the Vinyl Crusade, and we're looking in detail and in depth at Tommy, the quintessential album and soundtrack to the movie by The Who. So now we return and we look at where things kind of begin to start going wrong for young teenage superstar pinball wizard Tommy. And now that he has risen to the toppermost or the poppermost of the successful heap of healers and teachers and gurus, we arrive at the track, opening track of Side 2, which is Champagne, and in the movie features none other than the very sexy and vivacious Anne-Margaret as she splashes around with champagne in what looks like a, a kind of a, a swimming pool in her living room before all of a sudden her television completely erupts and she's literally covered in, you guessed it, baked beans. And she swims and wallows and covers her, lathers her body in this kind of muck, the maya, the third-party drama of ego and gratification and all of the trimmings that go with fame and success. Now, at this point in time, we have our intrepid holiday camp director and now married to Tommy's mother, looking into taking Tommy to see if there are some other modalities worth exploring 
and we have a track called There's a Doctor, which features a cameo role in the movie with none other than a very young and somewhat boisterous and debonair Jack Nicholson. And Jack Nicholson basically says, listen, it's not a physical thing. This is a mental thing. He has been mentally challenged by experiencing a great traumatic, you know, experience. And that is something that's been trapped in his subconscious. It's created an energetic block and there are ways that we can do it, but you're not necessarily going to like it. At this point in time, Anne Margaret is pretty drunk. She's covered in baked beans. She's looking at the mirror because Tommy can't stop staring in the mirror because he knows beyond the mirror of his existence and the, the mirror of his limited expression lies the unbridled truth of who he really is. This is fascinating stuff because this is such a deep kind of immersion into the human psyche. And the different characters play out those particular roles in a, in a very sort of a disjointed and somewhat displaced manner. And I think that that's what makes Tommy such a riveting piece of soundtrack music. It's a soundtrack to our lives or the lives of people that were living just then after the end of the Second World War. So after Go to the Mirror... And margaret pretty much approaches Tommy and says to him, in no uncertain terms, very gentle, very lovingly, very wantingly, Tommy, can you hear me? And then she gets more urgent, as in, why can't you hear me? What is the problem? What has been done? Where is the fault? Where is the blame? Where is the shame? And Tommy is hearing all of this in his subconscious and it's all welling up and becoming just too much to bear until he finally launches himself at the mirror and smashes it. And in that moment, he breaks all of the blockages created by the traumatic experience of witnessing the murder of his father and the infidelity of his mother with the holiday director that he is completely liberated and the track is I'm free and next minute we see Tommy and he's literally on a hang glider and he's jumping off a mountain top and he's flying above the world and he's witnessing all that he never really really got a chance to experience before. From there we go to a rather melancholy track called Mother and Son I'm not going to go into great detail other than the fact that there is a reuniting, there is a level of forgiveness taking place, and this is definitely the human condition really emerging here. And that leads into the track Sensation. I'm a new sensation. I know how incredible my healing powers are. And he starts to get wrapped up very much in his newfound freedom, which is birthing practically a newfound delusion in his 3D experience. And from there we arrive at Miracle Cure. Miracle Cure is essentially that through all of his trials and his tribulations and his constant 
if you like, reinforcement of his trauma to his deeper inner subconscious self, he arrives to understand that he was always in control of his liberated life and his subsequent cure and return to the world. From there we arrive at a rather displaced and dissociated scene of a young girl by the name of Sally Simpson who literally is completely besotted by, infatuated with the thought of Tommy being practically hers and ends up going to a concert where all of the Moonies are out of control and she gets trampled in the process and next thing there she is knocked up with baby, you know, the, the, the dude that ultimately she thought that she was going to end up with turned out to be the exact opposite. And I might go into a bit more detail because that's kind of the whole life is never exactly how we want it to be. So we need to be available to whatever shows up and be content and satisfied by the miracles that unfold in our world each and every day. From there we arrive at the rather uplifting, kind of a here comes the sun type of track in Welcome, where essentially the parents are now opening the doors to all of those that wish to follow Tommy, wish to be part of his new world after he has now woken up from his nightmare and there is a level of open all the doors. Like, like in a way, thinking about it now, Paul McCartney and Wings did a great song called Let Him In. Open the door and let him in. That one, which is a really great kind of a, you know, we're all in this together and we're, we're all equal and we all have value and we can all come together in a, a genuinely loving co-creative space. From there we arrive at the TV studio, which is once again a blatant return to ego, deceptive thinking, how can we pull the wool over the eyes of the unsuspecting public that's going to come forth in their droves and give us all their money. So we started on side one when this whole thing began at Bernie's holiday camp. Bernie was played by... Um, I love this guy, honestly I do, but I, I just can't think, think of his name. It wasn't Peter O'Toole, wasn't Peter Ustinov, it was... Oh, he's been in a lot of these really cool kind of cult style. Tom, Tom somebody, it'll come to me anyway. I'm sure that we'll get into that as we get a bit deeper into the intricacies of the album. So we arrive now full circle. It's no longer Bernie's holiday camp, his, his new father's domain. It's Tommy's holiday camp. And when you come to Tommy's holiday camp, you have to do exactly what Tommy did in order to become liberated from the rather programmed and or uh, conditioned world and lifestyle of the society and the societal influence and the way it plays out in the dichotomy of a yin and yang type experience. So you've got to basically become deaf 
you've got to become dumb and you've got to become blind. And the words say, so put in your put in your earplugs, put on your glasses and plug your mouth in an effort to be completely mute and silent and then the miracle of liberation will take place. And of course it doesn't. It's a fagazi. It's a smokescreen. There's nothing genuine about any of it. And the people, like in any given situation, when they feel duped, when they feel ripped off, when they feel like they haven't got what they came for, they revolt and they destroy the holiday camp completely in a track called We're Not Gonna Take It. And I might even feature that one because there's a certain amount of the I'm going to talk at you, not talk to you anymore. You don't deserve the right for me to be talking in a respectful and open-hearted manner. Instead, you're going to be talked at. And finally, we arrive at the grand conclusion, the grand finale of a huge rock and roll reprise of See Me, Feel Me to begin with, to kind of let us know where we started, how our story began, where we evolved to and where we've ended up. And it culminates in one of my favourite tracks, which I'll definitely play to close the show, and that is Listening to You. Listening to you, I feel the music following you, I feel the heat gazing at you, I climb a mountain, I get an excitement at your feet. Rather emotional. Really wells up when you think about it. So that's how the entire gamut of the Pete Townsend vision for Tommy unfolded and the way that it was presented and expressed in a very unique rock opera style in order to invoke certain powerful spiritual messages. And when we come back from this next track, which is I'm going to play Sparks now from side one because I think it really sets the tone, we're going to get into the deeper intricacies, the more detailed spiritualism behind Ma Baba and the relationship that inspired the creation of Tommy. You're on Magazine Radio with Mike Puskas on the Vinyl Crusade and this is Sparks by The Who.
That was The Who and Sparks off the Tommy soundtrack, the double album, that vinyl journey into oneness and the unknown detachment and dissociation. Now, before the break, I did state that we would look into uh, the more deeper spiritual esoteric side of Tommy. So thinking back to 1969, or at least my image of it, spirituality was quite a big part of the game. So was music. And they intertwined quite a bit. People at that time tried to achieve a higher level of spirituality through various things. And psychedelics had a really big influence on that and the music it influenced. Now, is it possible to achieve enlightenment through music? No, of course not. But it can certainly open your mind and educate you. Now, there's a dichotomy in that straight away, isn't it? Because I do, in my heart, believe that you can achieve a level of enlightenment and empowerment through music. But most people in the zeitgeist, most people in the greater society, if you like, are going to always look at it more from the point of view of perhaps it's not going to be that remotely available as we would think it to be. And perhaps it's something we need to work a lot harder to understanding more and more, better if you like. And that leads to what I consider to be a really, really interesting juxtaposition that emerges in Pete Townsend's mind, as no doubt he was going through when he was writing Tommy. And Pete Townsend was one of these songwriters that loved to reflect and review on his ideas So he sort of slept on them and then he might sleep on them again and again and again before he allowed anybody to predominantly come in and sample his work. Now, having said that, it's quite easy to pass the story of Tommy off as something just weird and unexplainable or just a bunch of random topics compressed into an album that's trying to be quirky. It even seems like that to most when you don't really pay attention and you just allow the dulcet tones of the tracks to flow over you. But I've come to discover the spirituality behind Pete Townsend's experience in writing Tommy and the relationship between the album and spiritual leader, Ma Baba. Now, this is not going to be a podcast or a overview or a critique in better understanding the guru, the spiritual guru that was Mahababa, but rather to touch upon the relationship that existed between Townsend and the guru. Now, Mahababa, like a number of spiritual leaders, addressed himself as God incarnate on earth. He taught that there was only one religion and that he spoke for God to all. Pete Townsend discovered Baba through his own spiritual discovery when it was pointed out that his words often related to those of Mar Baba. 
and this began Pete's journey into the spiritualistic realm. So we will actually reflect when looking at certain musical pieces and their direct correlation to the Mahababa doctrine and or dogmatic teaching, if you like. So let's start right back at the beginning in the year 1921. Now, this, this may seem like a bit of a reach, but the song entitled 1921 tells the tale of when Tommy is silenced. He witnesses something he just shouldn't have. He sees his new stepfather murder his real father, who was believed to be missing, and through sheer trauma, he becomes deaf, dumb and blind. His mother and stepfather keep telling him he didn't hear anything, he didn't see anything, he didn't see or understand what he may or may not have seen, and as a result of this, he doesn't hear, see or speak anything for many, many years. Now, I'd like to interpret this song in two different ways that relate to the teachings of Ma Baba. Firstly, I see Tommy being silenced as the way that we are silenced spiritually by the distractions in the 3D world. The path to enlightenment is one that requires little outside distraction. And with the rise of technology and media, it becomes nearly impossible to live a life without it. Tommy's trauma could lead to some kind of breakthrough in his world and in his mind. However, he is completely shut down, forced by an outside action to remain unheard and unable to learn anything at first. Secondly, the fact that Tommy is led into a world of silence relates directly to Baba. Because Baba himself practiced a 44-year silence. That's right, this particular incarnation of the God particle on earth took a vow of a 44-year silence. And that took place during the last 44 years of his lifetime in this incarnation. Baba's teachings and wisdom continued to be shared eternally. And during this time, he used various methods of communications that his followers could actually understand. I'll quote, and this is all from Wikipedia, if anyone's interested. You have had enough of words. I have had enough of words. It is not through words that I give what I have to give. Now, let me dissect that for a moment, because this is really in my wheelhouse, if you like, my ballpark. The definition of language for the bulk of human evolution has always come from a level of distorted expression. Our words formulate conclusive ideas 
as to meanings and or descriptions when they really don't reflect them at all. And one of the things I've said about my own particular spiritual journey quite a number of years in the making now, thinking back, is that there is a certain breakdown of human interaction, third-party human interaction, because our language is the core of our limited belief and our limited belief structures. And this very much relates to the limited scope of our understanding of man-made religions. I'm not going to go into the depth of those. My seven sense live stream and podcasts certainly cover those particular subjects in greater detail. So Mahababa said, you have had enough of words. Well, we've all had enough of the words. And I, that is I, self, have had enough of words. And it is not through words that I give what I have to give, but through my conscious soul and expression. And the song Amazing Journey follows 1921 and within its lyrics are a few clues hinting towards silence and the connection to travelling to a higher spiritual plane. Another quote from Ma Baba. Nothing to say and nothing to hear and nothing to see. Each sensation makes a note in my symphony. And that is the narrator of this particular story, this beautiful, epical look at the human condition, recounting to us, the listeners, the dreamers, the viewers, the objective perspectors, what Tommy is really, really thinking. Nothing to say and nothing to hear and nothing to see. Each sensation makes a note in my symphony. Now this of course refers to being both blind and deaf. But I find that it accurately represents the ability to take in what the world has to offer you without the use of sight and verbal communication It's based around feeling. His eyes are the eyes that transmit all they know. Come on the the amazing journey and let it all flow. Let life flow. Let love flow. Let all of what you are and all that what you can be flow in the natural order of the universal divine ease of grace of the river of divine ease and grace now when we come back we're going to listen to amazing journey now because i think that's a great segue to get into exactly what that's all about so you're on magazine radio the vinyl crusade with your host mike puskas and this is the amazing journey and the who
blind The guilty are safe But always accused by his empty eyes was The Amazing Journey from the Tommy soundtrack written by Pete Townsend of The Who and you're on the Vinyl Crusade on Magazine Radio and we'll continue looking at the double album of Tommy this line which I talked about his eyes are the eyes that transmit all they know come on the amazing journey and let it all flow this line is very interesting It is said that when you spend time with one who is enlightened, you simply absorb their energy and you inherit wisdom from simply being in their presence without them standing and preaching to you. Tommy's trauma and his awakening are both caught behind his eyes and when others recognise what is behind a person's eyes, it is a new level of communicating. Referring back to the lyric, Sickness will surely take the mind where minds can't usually go. 
Come on the amazing journey and learn all you should know. Well, this is literally talking about a spiritual journey, right? His loss of senses will take his mind further than most people imagine is possible for them. It is an amazing journey and that's what the song is referencing and mirroring in our own lives. Our lives, when you look at it without the distorted lens of expectation, of assigning agendas, of wanting things to present themselves in a certain way, which again is very, very much a representation of the false ego, are truly amazing. We have this incredible inherent ability to pretty much do whatever it is we would like to do. That freedom gives us this greater sense of liberation more than anything else. And I think that basically this is very much kind of reflected in the way that we grow out of our programmed life and grow into a more sensitive, aligned, aware, tuned into higher aspect of ourselves. And this is so apparent in the way that Townsend wrote Tommy and his loving relationship to the spiritual guru of Mahababa. Christmas is the first song that seems to indicate that Tommy will reach a higher spiritual level through overcoming his sickness. Ultimately, this is what happens further on in his journey, as when Tommy breaks through and regains his sight. He is seen as a god by his disciples and by himself, as is the case with Mayor Baba. I believe in love, but how can men who've never seen light be enlightened? Only if he's cured will his spirit's future level ever heighten. I think it's very self-explanatory because one thing that I've referred to many, many a time in my live streams is the dichotomy between the subconscious and the conscious, the illuminated nature of the subconscious and the rather darker shadow of the subconscious. How does the darkness know there's da it's dark if there's no light? How does the light know there's no dark if there's no darkness? We move now to what I think is going to be probably the, the button pusher, the kind of challenging aspect of the album when we talk about Cousin Kevin and Fiddle About. These two songs on side one deserve to be mentioned for they inform us of the wretched and vile way in which Tommy was completely abused during his time of illness, health. The boy was put through torture and abused by his own family. Slumping to the lowest of the lows is often a time when the mind learns to deal with the horrors of the world. To overcome such torture is a spiritual experience in itself. Now I've talked about what we call trap trauma and karmic residue. 
when trauma becomes so ingrained, embedded within the human construct, it gets hidden away into energetic centers, which people like to refer to in spiritual circles as chakras, and they can block the cosmic energy being able to flow through, which is always a very, very difficult aspect of our self-growth, our self-expression and our evolution and in the human condition in any given moment for that matter. So this whole kind of the, the heinous nature of that what we've all been and perhaps even represented in previous incarnations is very, very much something that we continue to drag as a darker, splintered and or fragmented aspect of ourselves into each new lifetime. The Acid Queen. I see Acid Queen as an expression of what Pete Townsend came to learn himself about Barber's teachings regarding drugs and drug culture. To many, and it was especially apparent during the summer of 1969, drugs could be used as a gateway to enlightenment. But Barber saw the dangers of all drugs and the harm they have on the mind and the fake image of spiritualism they can create. After gaining this knowledge, Pete didn't use drugs himself. The Acid Queen offers drugs to heal Tommy, like those seeking a higher power to use drugs in the hope of finding it. And Tommy honestly becomes a mess through this process. But the Acid Queen can't see that because when you're on drugs, you can't see the harm you are doing to yourself. And as we are all a reflective a reflection of each other, the harm that we are doing to ourselves is also harming everyone else in, on the planet. The song Acid Queen is the musical embodiment of this teaching and a powerful one at that. And when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about what that means when it comes to understanding the mentality used by so many in the spiritual community and the light worker community in an effort to find the Christ. You're on Magazine Radio, the Vinyl Crusade. We're talking the detail, the spiritual connectivity of Tommy. And this is Smash the Mirror, sung by none other than Anne-Margaret.
While Tommy flies, the world is turning. Life goes on for you and me. Our chief concern is money earning. Why can't someone set us free? Can't you feel him? Can't you feel him?
He is the light. That was Roger Daltrey, and you can really hear him straining there as he sang that song, Sensation, from the soundtrack. And before that, we had Will You Smash the Mirror, sung by Anne Margaret from the soundtrack. You're on Magazine Radio, The Vinyl Crusade, and we're talking Tommy. We're talking The Who. We're talking spirituality. We're talking the human condition, the human story, in an effort to understand where it is that we, in our cathartic journey in this life and beyond, we stand. Now, before the break, we were talking about the Acid Queen. I want to go back to that for a moment and and look at the words of that. My work is done, now look at him. He's never been more alive. His head it shakes, his fingers clutch. Watch his body writhe. I'm the gypsy, the acid queen. Pay before we start. I'm the gypsy. I'm guaranteed to break your little heart. Now, this is a really, really strong statement made by Townsend on the war on drugs. And I want to simply say this from my own personal experience because part and parcel of me wanting to do this show called The Vinyl Crusade here on Magazine Radio is because I come from a really long and complicated and detailed history of working in the music industry and I've seen it all. I can actually state that with conviction. I've seen it all, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, the amazing and the downright disgusting and rotten. And one of the things that I learned being in rooms with a lot of spiritual practitioners, gurus, alchemists and the like is that any drugs you call mind-expanding drugs, call it LSD, DMT, or any of the others, force the intelligence that enlivens the cells to open up and reveal themselves. By using the drug, by taking the drug, you are egotistically taking it in an effort to try to find the Christ. The Christ will never be revealed to you if you are coming from a rather attached perspective of ego. You may have a moment of absolute cathartic clarity. Divine intervention may consume you for all of a moment but you will never truly find yourself immersed in the experiential nature of a a spiritual release or surrender. And Townsend was very aware of this, and rather than going into the the dark and somewhat all-consuming world of drugs and drugs of addiction, he got his fix, if you like, that Christ consciousness, that higher divine spiritual value from the teachings sitting at the foot feet of Mer Baba. And when he refers to someone like the Acid Queen or refers to someone like 
Eyesight to the Blind, which we are going to feature very shortly, he's saying that these are just the trappings. These are the egoic trappings of what we think we need in order to find enlightenment when the opportunity to empower oneself lies in the internal understanding. And that is very much a reflection of the mirror of today, 2020. People keep searching in all the wrong places, particularly the spiritual community and the lightworking community, in an effort to find the light, the illuminated part of themselves. And they look outside in the external, when they really, all they really need to do is listen to the greatest teacher that they could ever want to have working on their behalf, and that is themselves. You are your greatest teacher if you simply open your heart and allow it to be. Allow things to just be. And that's the reason why there are so many beautiful dichotomies within the quantum field of love and forgiveness, distorted expression that exists within the rather larger landscape of Tommy. So let's go to sensation, which we just heard. The title of sensation itself is an image of the power of the senses. This song is important because it is the first song in which we hear from Tommy, who is no longer blind, deaf and dumb. And he is transformed into an enlightened path, as it was suggested that when he broke out of his inner block, his traumatic, trapped traumatic experience, he is now seen and heard as a god. Now, there's an illuminating aspect of that that's worth sharing very briefly because it can get rather convoluted if we spend too long on it. If you are coming from what is considered to be a really genuine and authentic space, you are operating as an extension of the six heart virtues and expressing the sovereign integral, you have an illuminated... all illuminated aspect of yourself that literally pulses like a beacon and when you move into public circles that illuminated part of you that higher spiritual nature emerges and becomes incredibly like a moth to flame You draw people to you because you're experiencing something that deep within their psyche they can't seem to reach, but you seem to have a key to get there. And that's really what Townsend was getting to, in my opinion, when he wrote Sensation. They worship me and all I touch, hazy-eyed, they'd catch my glance, pleasant shudders, shake their senses my warm momentum throws their stance you'll feel me coming a new vibration from afar you'll see me I'm a sensation I'm a sensation and I love the fact that you know when 
Roger sings that song when he was in the studio asking, being asked to sing that song. He had to go so far out of his comfort zone as a vocalist of the group that he really strained to reach those notes. And I love the vulnerability of the way he, he just allowed his, his kind of true self to emerge, that he didn't have to be in the mask, he didn't have to play out the masquerade of being the lead singer, Roger Daltrey of The Who. We arrive full circle at the quintessential moment when everything turns around and what is perceived in the 3D through our limited form of expression and thinking as the pinnacle, the pinball wizard. We've arrived at the peak of success. We've arrived at the peak of what we think is important to us. And yet it signals in the mirror and the reflective nature of the breakdown within the quantum field, the very, very thing that is going to undo all of what we have worked so hard to create. It is the dichotomy. It is the darker shadow self that emerges when you reach that pinnacle of egoic success. Perhaps I'm yet to discover the real secret or spiritual meaning behind the Pinball Wizard, but to most it is the most notable song from the album or just the only one that they have heard, which is disappointing. In my mind, Pinball Wizard introduces you, the listener, to the abilities one is capable of, even without certain senses that we feel we need and explains why we do not need them at all to achieve anything we truly desire. So this is once again kind of looking at the fact that if one sense in our life is diminished to a point where it no longer can be perceived or transmitted, that other senses emerge to take its place and they become more heightened and more sensitive and certainly more receptive to the hidden mysteries, if you like, of what we can or can't achieve by allowing the power of attraction to be consuming or all-consuming in our lives. Powerful stuff, guys, really powerful stuff. Now, thinking back to what I said earlier about simply benefiting from the presence of an enlightened one, these lyrics label Tommy as that enlightened one who believes he is affecting his disciples by merely appearing in their sights. This is all the Jesus story emerging and he represents himself as the Christ come back to earth to teach and to heal by being able to fly on a pure white hang glider above the masses, above the primordial that exist below him. And so we kind of are starting to graze within Pete Townsend's mind the idea of the hermetic principle, so above, so below. I find this stuff absolutely fascinating. So I'm going to take a break here and, and listen to another piece of music which I think is very much reflective of what we're going through. He is deaf, dumb and blind and he is told through his limited level of perception and his conditioned and or programmed 
way of being that he needs to heal himself in a different capacity in order to bring back his sight. You're on Magazine Radio, and this is one of my favourite tracks, Eyesight to the Blind, featuring Eric Clapton, and the Tommy soundtrack. To the Blind, featuring Eric Clapton from the Tommy soundtrack. Powerful song. Um, She's got the power to heal you. One touch from her and the blind can see. Yeah, this is what it's all about. 
So you're on Megazine Radio, the Vinyl Crusade, and uh, we're getting into the business end of the uh, show now. And we're going to start talking a little bit about the external elements that are very apparent within the, the Tommy story. We arrive now at the rather displaced and somewhat disassociated track from the bigger picture of what's going on, and that's Sally Simpson. Now, as I said earlier in the show, Sally has a dude that she's kind of, you know, somewhat involved with, but she wants to run away from her kind of mediocre, somewhat ordered life and join Tommy, the healing guru, as a new disciple. And it all goes terribly wrong for her at the concert, even though she goes to great lengths to get there. And she ends up basically using the experience as a way of making further bad choices and ends up with this complete Neanderthal kind of Frankenstein-looking dude that also has, you know, thousands of uh, adoring fans. But the fact that this dude put a, a diamond ring on her finger, gave her a child, seated her belly, she's more than happy. And this is that kind of the winter of our discontent. The song tells the unfortunate tale of Sally, who is a follower of Tommy, and went to find him where he was speaking in an effort to reach him. He ends up throwing her off the stage, or his cronies do, because he's got lots of minders now. The song doesn't appear to paint Tommy in the way of an enlightened man. Instead, he is almost portrayed as a false idol, blinded by the light of the fame, built on nothing but lies, and a lack of respect. Perhaps that's not the idea, but that's how Pete Townsend feels it. Mayor Barber recognised that there was only one God and that those who believe in different religions are praying to the very same presence. He believed that he spoke for God and perhaps that is what Tommy represents, the voice and nothing more, certainly not the embodiment of the Christ consciousness but rather a small fragment of it. Now, when we think about this, we kind of think about the fact that most of the fame and fortune that we are conditioned to believe is only attainable by the very few is something that generates a certain amount of detachment within the human psyche. We can't get there. So we're going to be looking down upon it, even though deep within our, our yearning, our willful nature, it's all that we've ever wanted and desired. And Townsend knew that all he ever wanted to desire, desired was to be empowered and to be enlightened by his spiritual experience, but knew that there were so many false idols and distorted guruships and elements of the spiritual community that really didn't reflect a very sentient outlook, but rather one very much wrapped up in ego and monetary compensation. And I'm sorry, but it's super rife today. And it rather disappoints, if not disgusts me greatly. And I am in that case, when I think about it, 
judging that, even though that goes against the very grain of feeling liberated. But I'm human, and therefore I know Pete Townsend is human, and I know that the deeper recesses of his subconscious was reflecting that certain breakdown of his connection to the divine. We're not going to take it. By this final song, Tommy is spreading his teachings at Tommy's holiday camp. And in spreading the teachings of Tommy, such as denying the senses to learn to play pinball and pointing out the guy smoking Mother Nature, he is also spreading the similar teachings of Mayor Barber. Pete Townsend is doing this in the whole album, but from Tommy it becomes more apparent during this final song, which sets the stage for the truly liberated sense of climbing the mountain, standing on top of the peak, beating our chest in surrender that we've worked hard, we've done the shadow work, we've got in touch with the deeper recesses of our human vulnerabilities to arrive in a somewhat neutral space of true heightened and divine connection. But it's a rather sinister outlook. When you watch it in the movie, everything is hunky-dory. It's the classic case of so many other movies that have reflected that whole kind of, here are the trinkets, here are the trappings of how we barter and or trade to improve our station in life. The temple in which Christ arrives to find the marketplace and then goes about his business destroying it and stating for the record, my temple should be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Get out, get the fuck out, Seriously, get the flying fuck out. And that's quoted directly from the original American cast recording of Jesus Christ Superstar. We're not going to take it. And part and parcel of our suspension of disbelief that we're not being healed and that we're not feeling better about ourselves, we're going to tear it all down. There's no grey areas here. This is basically all or nothing. Do or die. And it's rather scary knowing that, in a way, the false flag generated by the COVID-19 pandemic and very much reflected in the, the mental breakdown of society as a whole is going to have not only an incredible effect on the economy as a whole and the downturn that we are all desperately accelerating towards but the fact that people are going to let other people know that this isn't going to fly that you made promises and those promises haven't been kept and not only that but you've robbed us of our free will you've robbed us of our freedom you've robbed us of our ability to liberate ourselves from the rigours of who we are within the greater scheme of things. And the fact that we want to be 
as closely aligned to our divine source as we possibly can because that's really what it's all about. It's more important than ever before to be able to recognize that and recognize that in a way that became very, very apparent. And that's why Tommy Can You Hear Me is the perfect song in which to start tailing out our journey through the quintessential soundtrack. Tommy, can you hear me? Tommy, can you see me? Tommy, can you feel me near you? It's a yearning. It's a cry for help. It's a whole new way of thinking about the damaged one and the damage that I, in this case your mother, have done to you. And can you ever forgive me? Well, forgiveness forgiveness is a very important core central focus of of the Tommy world and I think that that is again another reason why even though it's a very very short track it has a great deal of conscious impact in the greater scheme of things but now we're going to listen to the, the the track that I think ultimately says it all where we all want to be where we all hope to want to be and this is one of my favorites And, of course, the classic Elton John epitome of fame and fortune at the highest regard and the pinball wizard.
Pinball Wizard, Elton John from the Tommy soundtrack. You're on Magazine Radio, The Vinyl Crusade. And I hope you've enjoyed this journey into a more detailed, a more cryptic view of the classic Tommy by The Who. I think it stands alone as a, as a quintessential def- generation-defining album for a number of reasons. But the main one is because it allows us to look through the mirror to see what really exists on the other side. 
And what exists on the other side is nothing short of the miracle of going from a trap traumatic experience and having a great spiritual release and surrender to arrive as a enlightened and or empowered healing guru only to find that it's not all what it's cracked up to be. And perhaps the albums of 1969 were very much a reflection of that. And I'm really pleased to state that I've done some research and next week on the Vinyl Crusade, I'm going to feature 10 quintessential records from the, from the year. That is 10 releases from different artists during 1969, just before we had the death of some pretty major players, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, as well as a heap of spiritual gurus, including Timothy Leary, etc. And once you sort of see, I will leave the Who's uh, Tommy out of that because we really spent a lot of time journeying through that today. But once you see how this album was very, very much sowing seeds within the minds, the mind's eye of the other visionaries from the other groups, you'll begin to see a pattern beginning to emerge. And in a way, music is always cyclic, particularly music that challenges our sensibilities, challenges the very, very sort of more complex side of the human condition, the parts where we feel splintered away from the whole, the parts that create dichotomy within the greater quantum field. And Pete Townsend really understood that. And he had the help of spiritual guru Ma Baba to be able to guide him and support his journey. And that's really what all of us right here in the now, in 2020, are being called to do. And that is to recognise the sovereign nature of each individual soul on the planet and support them by nurturing and nourishing their limited level of thinking, their limited belief structure with a level of love and compassionate strength to help everyone within the greater collective grow together. Thank you so much for listening. This has been The Vinyl Crusade with your host, Mike Puskas from The Seventh Sense. Tune in again next week. We'll have the repeat again on Saturday and Sunday here at Magazine Radio. Don't forget, if you want to offer some input, if you want to send a message, if you want to offer some input, magazine.today, it's all there for the taking. It's our hub. It's our central core place where we can exchange all forms of energetic circumstances, situations and scenarios. I hope you've enjoyed the Vinyl Crusade this week. I want to wish you guys all the best for an incredibly awe-inspiring, warm and engaging weekend. And I'll leave you tonight 
with the closing track from the double album soundtrack, and that is See Me, Feel Me, Hear Me, and Listening to You.
We leave behind our everyday concerns, the world of Kronos. We set aside our watches and turn off our phones. We don't count this time as ordinary, measured by the ticking of the clock.